Well, good morning and grace and peace unto you. This 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 series that we've been in um, truly is 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 making a difference in the way I think and the way I look at my life, um, and I hope that it does for you too. Um, if if we've never met before, my name is Brett Kinberg. I'm the Connections Pastor at Red Hills Church, and one of the great things that I get to do as a Connections Pastor is I get to oversee our groups. And if you haven't signed up for a group yet, I know Kate mentioned it in the announcements. Our groups are launching next week. But if you have not gotten connected in a group yet, we ask, get connected. One of the things about groups is that there is something for everyone in a group. That is true. Absolutely. There's a leader that has prepared for you. There's somebody who cares enough to be praying for you throughout the week. But also you as a people have something to offer in a group. When you come to a group, there's something that you, you add to that group. And so I, my, my prayer and my hope is that everyone here would get connected in a group because there's something so valuable that happens is the gospel and God's kingdom moves forward when we join groups. So uh, one group that I'd like to highlight is, is Todd Hammonds. Uh, he's doing a financial peace university. And whether you're a college student living on ramen or you are a uh, CEO of a company with a six-figure salary, how you manage your money is important to God. Because how you manage your money impacts whether or not the kingdom can go forth. Money is just a tool. And, and, And one of the great things that Dave Ramsey says in this Financial Peace University is when you manage your money well, God is glorified. So our hope and our prayer for you is that you would join a group. If you want to learn how to manage your money and make a difference for the kingdom, join Financial Peace. Talk to Todd. He's going to be hanging out um, after our gathering. Uh, You can find him probably greeting at one of our doors. Um, So go say hi to Todd. If you're interested in Financial Peace, go ahead and sign up for that class. Well, as we continue on in our series today, um, we're we're going to be reading from Philippians chapter 2. But before I start reading in Philippians chapter 2, I want to look back on some of the things that we've learned so far. Pastor Lane, when he came in, gave us a great, um, laid great groundwork and perspective for who the Philippians were and who Paul is writing to in this book. Um, He gave us six principles to living a Christian life according to what the Apostle Paul is writing here. And so um, if you didn't take notes during that first session, I encourage you, go back, look at those six things because they're valuable and they're keys. They're keys on how to live a Christian life. Um, So if you didn't, if you didn't, or you weren't here, go back online. You can watch that. If you're watching online and you missed that one, go ahead and jump over on your YouTube link and look at that message because there's a lot of really good content in that. And then last week, Pastor Kate came in and she, she engaged us into being unified with Christ. Not only in faith, but also in his suffering. As we came to the end of last week, Kate made this statement and I took notes on it. I'm going to pull my phone out because this is, where, this is where I take my notes. If you want to take notes, you can pull out your church center app and you can do that. But the last statement that she made is, how you handle the hard season of life is what defines you as a Christian. This is so true in our life. In fact, so much so that Jesus even took his disciples to the side after giving a parable about a guy who built his house on a rock and somebody who built their house on the sand. He looked at his disciples and they said, 
what does this mean? What does this parable mean? And, and as he began to open it up to him, he said, the person whose house is built on the rock is somebody who takes the word of God, who sits in the chairs like you do right now. They take that word, and rather than just saying, amen, pastor, good job, see you next week, rather than doing that, they take the Bible and they begin to apply it to their life. And the statement that Kate made, Kate made last week is, is so critical for us to believe as, as, as believers. We need to follow this because what Jesus said is when you take the word and you do something with it, when hard seasons of life hit you, you don't crumble because of them. There's room and there's space to, 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 to feel all of the emotions that, that we feel as humans. In fact, Jesus felt them too. And there's space to process through all of that. But at the end, as a believer, your life doesn't crumble when the storms of life come because your house is built on the firm foundation. So as, as we transition from last week into this week, we recognize that Paul is not writing a book with chapters and verses. Those were added much, much later by theologians and scholars so that we could study the Bible properly. Um, but in his letter, he continues a thought. As he talks about suffering with Christ and, and enduring these hard times, he then starts in chapter 2 by saying this, Therefore, which that therefore is, is, is what that is there for. So, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Let's pray as we begin to open up the scriptures this morning. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to learn from you. That, that these words, God, we thank you that they're more than just ink on a page, but they are alive and they are living and they are breathing and they are powerful and they're able to change the way we think. God, we ask you this morning that your Holy Spirit would, would open the eyes of our understanding, that we would be able to look at your words and not just hear them and get excited about them, but go home and do something with them. God, for everyone in this room and for everyone watching online, God, would you speak to their heart what they are to do with the words that they hear today? God, would your word be a seed in their life 
that would grow and flourish and cause their life to prosper as they bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, as, as we see this passage, as we see Paul continuing this thought of, of now that we've joined in faith and we're, and we're, and we're suffering together with Christ, he, he, he jumps into the first part of this and he says, therefore, because if, if you're suffering, you, you need some help. And he says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, he's looking at the Philippians and he's saying, encourage one another. As we suffer, let's encourage one another as we're going through it. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and of one mind. This, this thought of being one in spirit and of one mind. We're going to break down these, these first two verses and, and, and really looking past all of the things of encouragement and, 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 and encouraging one another as you're going through the troubles he says, I need you to go beyond just encouragement, and I need you to have the same spirit. I need you to be drawn by the same thing, and I need you to be thinking on the same wavelength. The problem is with the church that, that we, we have become so divided in our culture, in our American culture. We have churches like, we have the Catholic church, and then we have the Protestant church. We have the Pentecostals, and we have the Baptists, and, 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 and we have all of these different sects of believers that are looking at the Word and they're processing it differently. They're thinking differently. And what Paul is writing is he says, I know you have all read the Word for yourself, and hopefully you're doing that. Hopefully you're reading the Bible for yourself. But I need you guys to begin to have the same mind and be led by the same Spirit. This, this process of becoming one of mind takes place by reading the Word of God. This is where we start. This is our foundation. Like I said at the beginning, if you don't take the Word of God and build your life on it, that, then you have no foundation. But as you begin to build your house, you're going to paint your house red? You're going to paint your house blue? Are you going to put stucco or are you going to go with decorative stone? What are you going to do with your house? How is your house going to continue in unity? as the church, by being of one spirit. And, and this reminds me of a story in Acts chapter 2. Well, it's not a story. This is what happened. This was the early church. After Jesus died, he said, I want you to go wait in Jerusalem, and I want you guys to wait for the thing that I have promised. My father promised you something. He said, it's better that I go because then my father can send the helper. Okay, so they all get together, and, and in the King James Version, it says they were of one mind and one accord. Okay, so Paul, Paul is looking back at that, and he's, he's saying, this is what I need you guys to have as the church. One mind, one spirit. And as they gather together in this one mind, and they, they're, they're all going, okay, Jesus told us to stay here and wait, and that's a very simple direction. So we all agree that we're going to stay here and we're going to pray. And as a church, we've just come through this same, same thing of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Today is the last day. You can, you can read in your books and, 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 and join together with Foursquare and pray. 
But what happened in Acts chapter 2, when they prayed with one mind, what happened is God poured out his spirit on them. He gave them the thing that God had promised them. And in this moment of, of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes in and endues them with power, they all begin to speak in other tongues. And they were uh, so much of one mind that as they were speaking in tongues, the same message, the one message, was being spoken to all of these men listening in their own language. The one message was spread to all people in their own language. It unified everyone. Why? Because they were of one mind and of one spirit. And so Paul is saying as, as he's speaking to the Philippian church, be of one mind and of one spirit because God wants to do great things in Philippi. And then he continues on. Well, b b before he continues on, this, if you're taking notes, this is really something that I think is noteworthy. We are all called to renew the way we think by experiencing the presence of God and the perspective of God, of, of Christ. When we do that, then we become of one spirit and of one mind. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. <laughs> this is the next part. Paul, Paul continues to write in verse 3, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So, so, so Paul has gone from telling them, I need you to be in one spirit, one mind, and God's going to do great things. But as Pastor Lane said in the very first week, the Philippians were in a culture where honor was, was what everybody was looking for. If you had honor, you had choices. You had freedom. If you didn't have honor, then you had a lack of choices. You had to do what you were told. And so in their culture, when, when honor began to come, people would, people would fight over honor. People would try and, try and gain more honor for themselves by putting somebody else down. And so... What happens is, is he's saying, as you're of one mind and one spirit, what's going to happen is great things are going to happen. But don't hold on to those things. Those things are not for you. Those things are so that you can serve those around you. Not looking after your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others around you. <laughs> I think sometimes we do this as believers, too. We start going, oh, okay, great. God's going to do great things. Now I need to serve. I need to go serve someone else, and it doesn't matter what happens to me. I'm just going to pour out and pour out and pour out, and eventually we become depleted. And we're no longer serving well others around us. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Serving others requires us to practice spiritual formation in our own life. This spiritual formation is what enables you to serve others well. And, and, and we started off in one mind and one spirit and God doing great things. And now we're, we're looking at how do I serve others well in one mind and in one spirit? How do I take the word of God as he starts to heal people when I pray? When, when, when he starts to, to, to give me influence because now I'm leading a small group and, and people are being saved and they're joining and, and now I've got, this, I've got this following of people that are gathering around me. How do I serve them well? 
by continuing to enter into spiritual practices. Paul gives us two examples, and he says, in humility, serve others. Paul walked in humility in his life, and, and he looked at what he was doing, and he said, if, if I'm not healthy, I can't serve the people well. He has a perspective that if, if I don't get close to God, then when I speak, I speak heresy, or I speak and, and, and I drive people away from Christ. Because I'm not unified if I'm not spending time in prayer. The spiritual practice of fasting. <laughs> uh, if, we, if we want to talk about humility, fasting is a good one. Uh, if you've never fasted before, fasting is when you give up some type of food to, to, to pursue God in prayer. And, and there's, there's different fasts. You can fast social media. You can fast a lot of other things. But, but most, most typically when they called a fast in the Bible, they were saying, we want you to close your mouth and not eat and pursue God in prayer. And, and, and Paul said that this spiritual formation of, of, of taking your life and laying it down for others does not mean that you neglect yourself. It means you push even harder into the presence of God so that you can serve others well. In fact, Jesus himself said this. When he healed a, a, a boy who was demon-possessed, and his disciples said, hey, we prayed for this kid. How come he didn't get healed when we prayed? Jesus said, some things only happen by prayer and fasting. There's, there's, there's something so key about spiritual disciplines as a believer. And we're all called to this. This is not just staff. This is not just your church staff like we're called to pray and fast. But I can tell you this, that when I'm not prayed up, when I'm neglecting my spiritual disciplines, then I hurt people as a leader. I've done it. I've hurt people. And I don't want to be that person who hurts another man or another believer, who hurts their faith because I didn't do the spiritual formations that God has asked of me. Paul and Jesus served others from a place of strength, and so should we. If we are weak spiritually, then we cannot serve correctly. And that's why Paul goes on to write this. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And, and as Paul writes to the Philippians, when he, when he used this, this picture of the cross, he would have been communicating to them, giving up honor. Jesus gave up all of the earthly honor so that he could save the earth. And, 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 and what he's communicating is, as, as believers, we are to go and, and, and get healthy and get spiritually right with God and be of one mind and of one spirit and see God do great things, but it's not for us. 
he, he, he said that Christ did not take his ability as God to heal people and say, this makes me great, honor me. No. Jesus allowed people to worship him in humility. He said, yes, I am the son of God. You've said correctly. But he didn't take that and say, because I'm the son of God, I don't want you to crucify me. <laughs> he didn't step down off of the cross like the soldiers goaded him to do. What did he do? He submitted himself to that and said, I will embrace all of humanity's sin. I will serve every person, past, present, and future, by being obedient. The key to humility is obedience to God's will in your life. To understand God's will, you have to have these spiritual formations happening. To take the word and go from head knowledge to heart knowledge, where not only are you of one mind, but you're of one spirit. When the spirit speaks to yours and you're, and you're together, and all of a sudden power is happening. And you're praying for people and you see miracles as we have seen. We're, we're, we're getting these reports of miracles happening. And as, as, a, as a pastor, I, I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. People are getting healed. And, and my human nature wants to say, I prayed for them and they got healed. That's awesome. But as believers, what we have to say is, I prayed for them and God healed them. I was the servant. God was the master. God worked in the situation. And this is what Paul is telling them. I need you to go pray for people. I need you to be empowered to go make a difference in the world around you. But when you make a difference, don't let them look at you and call you God. You turn them to me. Hmm. And that's why he's, he's asking us to have the same mindset that Christ had. That he didn't count that power as his own. He gave it back to God and he shared it with those people around them. Why? So that he could serve them well. And Paul is asking us as believers to do the same thing. Can we serve well? Because let me tell you this. In verse 9 he goes on to say, Therefore... As Jesus has just denied himself, as he's been obedient to the cross, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Yeah. That's right. Amen. Pastor Lane finished the first passage that he shared with us with this statement, to the glory of the Father. As Paul is writing to the Philippians, he says, in everything you do, do it to the glory of the Father. Don't do it for your own glory. Don't do it for your own honor. Don't be united in spirit and one in mind. And when they look at you, don't stand up and say, that's right, God did something and I was the man. No. Say, that's right. God did something. How can I serve you? How can he do more? <laughs> Do 
God wants us to make a difference in the world. He didn't send his most precious and valuable son to die on a cross so that we could stand with our hands in our pockets and do nothing. God sent his son so that we could go out and we could pray for the sick and believe that they would recover. So we could take our finances, the things that God has blessed us with, and go pay for somebody's groceries. That mom who's struggling. When the Holy Spirit asks you to go do something and bless someone, he's not asking you to do it for you. He's asking you to do it for his glory. And when we say no, and we back out of the situation, and we step into that prideful moment where we're not obedient, then God doesn't get the glory. Why do we build our life on this firm foundation? Why are we not shaken by the storms of life and circumstances around us? Why are we united in Christ's suffering so that God can get the glory? This is what it's all about. Because when we do this, it doesn't matter if we fed somebody for a day or even for the rest of their life because we taught them how to fish, right? When Paul is is saying, you know, for me, It'd be better if I just died. I could go home and be with God. Paul made this statement in in chapter 1. He said, you know, if I died, it would be gain. I, I wouldn't have to suffer anymore. I wouldn't have to be in a prison anymore. I could go home, and I've done good work, which means I would go home, and my dad, God, would say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. Paul says, that would be good for me. But nevertheless, not my will. Does it sound like anybody else we know? Not my will, but yours be done. Humility is obedience to God for your life. Paul said, it's better for you that I stay because when I can serve you, I can point somebody else towards Jesus. As as we come to the close of this, I think it's so timely that we talk about what's right here in the middle of the room. We keep this in the middle of the room on purpose. This is not just great decorations that we're like, oh, hey, cool, that's fun. Let's, let's put some old moldy bread and, uh, no, sorry, it's not molding, not yet. Um, and, and this cup in the middle of the room, we don't, we don't do that because it's decoration. We do that to draw everybody back to this moment where Jesus gave his life for us. And we have this candle here. You may be wondering, was was that just so that they could see the bread and drink the water? No, no. This candle represents the Holy Spirit. When we walk into the room and we see a candle lit like this, this represents the fire of the Holy Spirit. And just as Paul said, I need you to be of one spirit. When God's spirit speaks to yours, he unifies the church. And as we look at this candle and we recognize the power that God has through his Holy Spirit that he's given to each and every one of us to make a difference in the world around us, we recognize that God is at the center of everything we do. When we look at the bread, you can take that and you can open it up and, and, and take it out. I'd like you to actually just look at that little wafer for a second. Yeah, I know, this one has like holes in it and it's brittle and whatever. You may, you may have gluten-free, I don't know. But this bread 
It represents what Jesus did. He fulfilled the scripture in Isaiah 53 that says, by his wounds you are healed. And then Peter stood up and he wrote, he said, he he quoted the scriptures, but rather than saying you are healed, he says you were healed. He looked back to what Christ did and he said, by this you were healed. You may not know what the scripture says, but it says that he was beaten and he was bruised and the, the, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we were healed. Jesus did not have to be wounded before he went to the cross. He could have just been nailed to the cross and his blood would have been the atonement for sins. But rather he let them whip him and beat him And break him. And his body being broken for us was for our peace. It was for our healing. And so when we pray for somebody, we don't pray, oh, you know, I'm I'm praying that God will heal you because maybe, maybe he will. No, he already paid the price. This, This was the price. His body being whipped and broken. By his wounds, you were healed. So when we take this, when Jesus took this, and he gave it to his disciples and he broke it, he said, this is my body being broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take this together. And as the worship team comes back to the platform, Jesus took this cup. And we can pray for people's healing. We can believe that God will heal somebody and bring peace into their life in broken situations. We can do all of that. But guess what? Even if their body gets healed, they're still going to die. The death rate is 100%. Save a couple. Jesus and a couple others. Um, (laughs) So... We're all going to die, I hate to tell you. So we can, we can see somebody get healed in their body. They can get healed in their mind. They can get healed in their soul. But unless they receive what Jesus did, their eternity will be spent apart from God. And Jesus died so that everyone could be saved. If you want to be in unity of spirit and of mind, remember what Jesus did. And when you pray for somebody to get healed, believe that God is going to do it. But ask them, do you know Jesus? Have you made him your Lord and your Savior? Because if you don't do that, the healing doesn't matter. The peace doesn't matter. And Jesus took the cup and he shared it with them. He said, this is the blood of my new covenant being shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's go ahead and take that. And this morning as we go back into worship, I'm going to invite the prayer teams to come forward to the tables on the sides. And if you need prayer for anything in this place, we believe that prayer is powerful. Why? Because we're unified in spirit and in mind, and we believe that God wants to heal you. If you need prayer, 
for anything, please come forward and receive prayer this morning. But we're going to go back into a song of worship that talks about how beautiful the name of Jesus is. Would you join us in worship and stand to your feet, please?